Welcome to the Employment Law and HR Podcast with your host, Allison Colley. Hello and welcome to episode 67 of the Employment Law and HR Podcast. I'm your host, Alison Colley. I'm an employment law solicitor and HR specialist, and I advise employers and employees on all aspects of employment law. This podcast is aimed as an update or general information about employment law and HR best practice. I've been running the podcast now for over two years, and obviously this is episode 67. And for those of you who are into podcasting, you might have seen that the podcast was featured in a Guardian online article back on, I think it was the 1st of November. I'll put a link in the show notes, which you can find on my website, which is adviceforemployers.co.uk forward slash podcast forward slash 67. I'll put a link there. Basically, I was interviewed by a journalist from the Guardian online about podcasting for small businesses. And I was one of four uh, small business people or entrepreneurs, however you want to call them, who were interviewed about podcasting for business. And I was really pleased that after over two years of doing the podcast and the time put into it, that I was interviewed about podcasting. It is something that I feel passionately about and I do enjoy doing the podcast and I enjoy listening to podcasts because I think they're a great way of staying on top of the news or keeping informed of what's going on. So I was really pleased to be involved with that and I'd highly recommend you go over and have a look and have a listen to some of the other business podcasts, even if it's not really your area of interest, just to see what they're like. But I'd like to say a big thank you to you for tuning in. As I said in the article, if you read it, I do often spend my Sunday evenings recording this podcast, and it does take quite a bit of time. So it's nice to hear from people and to hear that actually it is a good resource for um, people who are listening and that you're enjoying it. And in fact, I recently spoke to somebody who I met via LinkedIn, who said that actually they have been listening to the podcast as well and had been enjoying it. So I was really pleased to hear that. So do please get in touch, even if it's just to say that you're listening. Um, It makes it much easier on a dark Sunday evening when everyone else is cozying down, watching TV and watching the latest episodes of Downton Abbey and that sort of thing for me to stand here and do this podcast or do my research. So please do get in touch. What I'm going to do for the next few episodes as we head towards the end of the year is do a little mini series and this time it's going to be on parental rights and things that employers need to know when dealing with maybe employees who are pregnant, who want to take parental leave or paternity leave, all those sorts of things. Now, I've done a couple of mini-series in the past and they've seemed to have gone down quite well. So this one is likely to take us up to Christmas now. Can't believe it's coming up towards the end of the year. Then I'll be having a short break over Christmas and I'll be back in January with an episode on what's coming up in 2017 and maybe a bit of a reflection on 2016. So I will get into this week's content and I do hope that you continue to enjoy the podcast. So this is episode one of the mini-series on parental rights and what every employer needs to know about parental and family-friendly rights. So I'm going to start with pregnant employees. Now, as you'll imagine, pregnancy and maternity is likely to cover a couple of episodes 
under the parental rights banner. And there is some crossover into the rights of uh, husbands, partners, um, that sort of thing. So there is a bit of crossover. But then we'll be dealing with shared parental leave, paternity leave and any other types of family friendly rights that you might need to know about in the later episodes. But for now, I'm going to start with pregnancy. Now, what I'm going to say about pregnancy and when an employee tells you that they're pregnant is that really you need to get it right at the very beginning when the employee tells you that they're pregnant. Now, this isn't from a legal perspective. This is purely from a good management perspective and from a HR perspective. When an employee tells you that they're pregnant, they will be going through a number of things in their mind. They may already be feeling uncertainty about the fact that they're having a baby. They might be worried about their health and the health of their child, but they might be also be worried about what you think and what's going to happen to their job. And they, it might be a little bit of a confidence knock to them if they think that actually now I'm pregnant, I'm going to be treated as something of a second class citizen around the workplace. So it's really crucial from an employee liaison and employee happiness perspective that you get it right. And it also sets the foundation for how your relationship is going to go throughout the rest of the pregnancy and through the maternity period and on their return to work. Because it's those early days where you can really shape the employee's opinion of you and how your handling of it will affect their attitude going forward. So I would say make sure you get it right. Now, for many employers I speak to, particularly small businesses, having an employee who tells them they're pregnant it's a really stressful time because then you've got to worry about costs, you've got to worry about cover, you've got to worry about all kinds of things. And I know that it's stressful and that can be your immediate thought is, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? How am I going to cope when they go on maternity leave? But for the employee, it may be something, as I say, they might be feeling nervous or uncertain about it, or they could be really happy, you know, it could be the happiest time of their life. And if you are all of suddenly not on the same page as them, or not showing the same sort of attitude that they would have expected of you because you're thinking about what's going to be happening. It can affect your relationship. So I would just say be mindful of how you respond when an employee tells you that they're pregnant. However you might be feeling inside or whatever your worries are about the business, try not to let those show when you're talking to the employee. So an employee doesn't actually have to tell you that they're pregnant until 15 weeks before the expected week that the baby is due. So they could be a fair way into the pregnancy before they legally have to tell you. Now, the reality is many employees will tell you that they're pregnant after the first 12 weeks. So after their 12 week scan is when most people will announce their pregnancy and will inform. Now, I always advise employees who are pregnant to inform their employers as soon as possible that they are pregnant, because once you know as an employer, then your obligations in terms of health and safety and in terms of treatment of them in relation to discrimination, kicks in. So once you know that the person is pregnant, then you need to be on standby, if you like, for the additional responsibilities that you have as an employer of a pregnant employee. So what should you do when an employee tells you that they are pregnant? Well, contrary to popular belief, you don't actually have to undertake a separate risk assessment for each employee who is pregnant. So you don't have to do that by law. What you should have done is in your general health and safety risk assessment within your business, include an assessment of the risks to possibly pregnant employees and ladies are basically of childbearing age. So you need to have undertaken a risk assessment 
and identified any risks to pregnant employees at the point at which you do your general health and safety risk assessment, which you should be doing once you start the business, obviously, when you take employees on and then when things change and then do it periodically to ensure that it's up to date. So you should already be including that in your general risk assessment. However, as I say, you're not required by law to do an individual risk assessment for each individual employee who's pregnant. But I highly recommend that you do. And it all comes down to looking after your employees, making sure that they feel safe, making sure they feel that you've considered them, but also to try and limit your own liability in relation to things like health and safety risks. So when somebody tells you that they're pregnant, I would have a look at your general risk assessment and then I would undertake an individual risk assessment in relation to that employee, their pregnancy and their job role. So when you're looking at risks and assessing risks for an employee who is pregnant, you need to be thinking about specific things like lifting and carrying, uh, standing for long periods, sitting for long periods, the ability to have regular breaks away from a desk or away from a counter, any toxic substance or chemicals that they might be exposed to in their job role, you should be looking at those. You should be considering whether they work long hours, the types of shifts that they do and the potential risk that that poses. And also if they have um, areas of high stress within their job or if they're somebody who's already prone to stress or maybe they have a disability such as um, depression or some long-term mental health issues that could be made worse or put them at a higher risk in relation to their pregnancy. So the first thing to do is to undertake that general risk assessment. And throughout this time, you should be giving reassurance to the employee that you're doing everything you can to make sure that their working life can continue in the same way as normal and as smoothly as possible during their pregnancy. It's all about being fair, being considerate and communicating with the employee regularly. Now, when an employee tells you that they're pregnant, they may or may not give you their MAT B1 form, which is a form that they obtain from their healthcare professional and they may or may not tell you when they intend to take their maternity leave at that point. It may just be that they tell you verbally that they're pregnant or they tell their manager and it comes to you as either the manager or the owner of the business or um, HR person. Now what I recommend you do is, again this isn't required by law, this is just a recommendation as good practice, is I recommend that once an employee tells you that they're pregnant, you write to them to congratulate them. So first off, congratulate them on their pregnancy, express how happy you are for them, inform them of the health and safety risk assessment or that it's going to take place or that you've done it and the outcome of it and give them a copy. Inform them of their rights in relation to antenatal care, which I'll come on to shortly. Point them in the direction of your internal policies or procedures or part of your handbook or online, wherever you keep it, about pregnancy and maternity rights for employees within your business. So if you've got any particular policy or procedure on that, show them where it is or give them a copy. And then tell them that they have an obligation to inform you of the dates that they want to take maternity leave. So if they haven't already done so, if it's just really at that early stage, tell them that you need they need to tell you in writing formally of what's happening. So the employee, in order to notify you formally that they want to take maternity leave and that they're pregnant, 
and also to have maternity pay, such as maternity pay, they must tell you in writing or verbally the fact that they are pregnant, obviously, the expected week of childbirth. So they will be told this by the healthcare professional there to inform you of the expected week. It's called the EWC. And they're to tell you the start date for their maternity leave. And if they are, as I say, going to be entitled to statutory maternity pay from you, then they must give you the MAP B1, which is a form that comes from their healthcare professional. Now, an employee mustn't take ordinary maternity leave earlier than 11 weeks before the expected week of childbirth. So if they come back and say that their start date for maternity leave is more than 11 weeks before the expected week of childbirth, then you need to go back and inform them. So that's the notification requirements from an employee's perspective. So when you're writing to them, if they haven't already given you that information, when you're writing to them to congratulate them on the pregnancy and point them in the direction of your policies and procedures, I would recommend that you say to them what is required in terms of notification for when they decide to take ordinary maternity leave. Now, I will be going into, in the next episode, how you respond to that formal written notification of their maternity leave. And as I say, in episode two of this mini-series, which will be episode 68 of the podcast overall, I'll give you some more information. So we'll go further into what maternity leave is and maternity pay and the administration around that. In the meantime, I just want to tell you and clarify with you what the pregnant employee's rights are or the additional rights they have, or what you should be aware of, should I say, once somebody tells you they're pregnant. They have protection from unfair treatment, unfair dismissal, or from discrimination because they're pregnant. They have an additional level of protection once they tell you they're pregnant. They have an entitlement to maternity leave. I'll be talking about in two weeks' time. They have the right to maternity pay, and they have the right to time off for antenatal care. So the right to time off for antenatal care, that can be for anything. It doesn't have to be necessarily for your traditional medical appointments that you would have expected or antenatal classes. If they are their registered healthcare professional, so their doctor or their midwife says that they need some other kind of antenatal care, then that can be included. So things like parenting classes or yoga, all those sorts of things, If it's recommended by the healthcare professional, that can come under the time off for antenatal care. An employee is eligible for time off for antenatal care regardless of their length of service. So if somebody starts with you and they're already pregnant, then they have that right to time off. And regardless of the hours that they work. So even if they work two hours a week, for instance, they are still entitled to time off for antenatal care. They must just inform you of the date and time of the appointment that they have. And after their first appointment, when they might not have notification of uh, an appointment card or something like that, it is within your rights to ask them for a copy of their appointment letter or appointment card to show that they actually have that antenatal appointment. And it is paid time off. So the time off they have must be paid at their normal hourly rate. And you can only really refuse if it's reasonable to do so. Now what is unhelpful for employers is that there's been no case law or guidance on what would be a reasonable refusal of time off for antenatal care and if you get it wrong an employee can have a claim for compensation for your unreasonable refusal for time off for antenatal care. 
So it's really hard for employers to to see what is a reasonable refusal. If you're in a situation where you have an employee who's asking for paid time off for antenatal care and you're not sure if actually it would be reasonable for you to say, hold on a minute, no, you can't have that time off then, then I would suggest that you get some advice or at least get a second opinion on it before you refuse because you could be opening yourself up to compensation claims. There is also the right to time off for antenatal appointments for the spouse or partner of a pregnant lady. So somebody who's in a qualifying relationship with a person who is pregnant and taking antenatal leave or take time off for antenatal appointments can have up to two appointments off of up to six and a half hours each to accompany the pregnant partner or wife or spouse or however you want to call them to the antenatal appointment. So as I say, that could be the father of the child, it could be a civil partner, it could be a cohabiting partner, somebody who is in a qualifying relationship. So that you know and understand what a qualifying relationship is, it includes a pregnant woman's husband or civil partner, somebody who lives with them in what is known as an enduring family relationship, so that's cohabiting partners, the child's father, and where it is a same-sex couple, where the other parent is to be treated as a parent in relation to assisted reproduction. And then finally, the potential applicant for a parental order in relation to a child who is expected to be born to a surrogate mother. So it really does cover off a number of situations there. In most circumstances, it will be fairly obvious that they are in a qualifying relationship. But if you are unsure, then again, I recommend that you get legal advice before you refuse, because there is, again, a claim for unreasonable refusal to allow somebody to have time off to accompany a pregnant person to an antenatal appointment. Now, unlike a pregnant woman's rights to time off for antenatal care, the accompanying person does not have the right to paid time off and it's not unlimited. So it is only limited to those two occasions for up to six and a half hours. Now, in reality, many employers will allow their employees to have paid time off for this. And I would recommend that you include the details in any policy or procedure that you have in relation to antenatal care appointments to ensure that there's consistency applied across the board, regardless of the person's circumstances, so that you avoid any possible claim for discrimination, for instance. So that's just a quick summary of the starting points when an employee tells you that they are pregnant. Just to recap, the first thing you need to think about is making sure you make that employee feel welcomed, feel happy and reassured whilst they are at work, even though they're pregnant. That you manage any health and safety risks by, in my opinion, I would recommend undertaking an individual risk assessment. That you inform the employee of their rights, whether they've informed you in writing or not of their dates for maternity leave. I would recommend that you follow up their notice of pregnancy either verbally or in writing just to reassure them and keep the lines of communication open. And that you understand when an employee who's pregnant or an employee who is in a qualifying relationship has the right to time off for antenatal care. As I say, an employee who is pregnant has additional rights and you have additional responsibilities as the employer. And I will be covering off more of these in the next episodes in this series. So 
In the meantime, if you have any questions about maternity or family-friendly or parental rights or pregnancy at work, then do please get in touch. I'd be happy to hear from you. My email is alison at realemploymentlawadvice.co.uk. As always with these mini-series, I will be concluding. My final episode will be on frequently asked questions about parental responsibilities, parental rights and family-friendly rights at work. So if you do have any questions that you would like answered, I'd love to hear from you. Do get in touch by email. And if you want to connect with me, as other people have been doing, via LinkedIn or on Facebook, we have a Facebook page, which is Real Employment or Advice or Advice for Employers. And we also have um, also on LinkedIn uh, that you could just search Alison Colley or search for Real Employment or Advice and you'll find me on there. I would love to hear from you and to hear that you've been listening to the podcast. Before I conclude this episode of the podcast, I would like to just add a note for anybody who's listening who might be interested in joining the Real Employment Law Advice team. We are looking to expand the business in 2017 and we're looking for people who would like to work around the country, so around the UK, who work in employment law or who are experienced employment law solicitors or practitioners who would like to get involved with the business. Or alternatively, if you are based in Hampshire or on the Isle of Wight and you would like to work closely with us, you um, could be somebody who has some experience or is looking for experience in employment law. Maybe you are a newly qualified solicitor or you're studying for the legal practice course and you're looking for some experience. Then we would love to hear from you. Again, you can get in touch with us confidentially, of course, at alison at realemploymentadvice.co.uk. I do hope that you have a lovely week and I look forward to speaking to you soon. Many thanks. Thanks again for listening. Just want to finalise by saying I wouldn't be a lawyer unless I had a legal disclaimer. So I must just say to you that the information in this podcast is for information only. It's general review and a general update. It's always necessary to get specific legal advice about your circumstances. So please don't rely on anything that you've heard in this podcast. But please do feel free to contact me if you'd like further information or specific advice.